you have to help your customers buy and you don't sell. And that is such a foundational difference. And when people buy things, they buy things they need. Again, if you're doing it for a group like community bankers, heck yeah, I can get up in the morning and have a fire in the belly. Welcome to the Operate Podcast, where we give you a behind the scenes look at company building from the perspective of the builders themselves. This is how we operate. Welcome to the Operate Podcast. I'm Kerry Ransom. Today's episode is sponsored by BankTech Ventures, the first strategic investment fund designed by the community banking industry for community bank innovation and investment. BankTech identifies leading products and technologies for community banks and works with the founders of those companies and the management teams to maximize their impact on community banks and their businesses. If you're a bank looking to innovate, invest in the future, or a founder who wants to work with community banks, reach out to BankTech Ventures at banktechventures.com. My guest today is Zach Duke, founder and CEO of Finisec, a cybersecurity company focused on the financial services industry. We'll talk broadly today about a number of topics, but we'll cover things like security, banking technology, digital transformation, as well as his entrepreneurial journey as he's been in this space for for quite a while. He's just such a, a great energy source. I'm also super excited to welcome Zach to the BankTech Ventures family as our most recent portfolio company. Zach, thanks for joining me today. Awesome. Great to be here. Um, I was hopeful when we had this on our calendar that you would be able to say that we were a portfolio company. So super pumped up about being part of the BankTech portfolio and and really making a material impact in community banking. Uh, Really cool to have strategies aligned, to say the least. Absolutely. And I think, you know, ultimately, I think that mutual realization of we're better together was really a key part of what made us say, you know what, we need to be doing this. So super excited as well. And I know our whole team is too. So let's start with Finisec itself. Um, You know, the way I would describe it is that you really help banks with risk management, compliance and security. Uh, for those that maybe don't have a real deep understanding of bank security, though, let's start with explaining what the company does. Absolutely. So we're really on this mission. And in my 20 plus years now helping community banks manage information security and cybersecurity, there's a couple of themes. Uh, the first is this concept of information security and cybersecurity governance. Think of that as oversight, validation, management. It's complicated and it's labor intensive. I use this story to kind of explain really where our platform and where our mission is to simplify those processes. And I actually talk about my CTO and co-founder, Scott McElrath. So Scott, several years back, was at a community bank that went from 300 million in assets and they grew crazy fast to 1.8 billion. And he was- Big growth. Big growth, right? Fast growth. So when he started at the institution, this is literally almost month two, it was really month and a half. They were doing two core conversions because they bought two banks. Welcome to banking. Just significant challenges. And at the same time, he had his first FDIC exam. And they're coming in and they're doing all the IT components. And to say that that exam did not go well would be like the understatement of the day. And one of the things I love about Scott, now full disclosure, he gets to do this with me all the time, is when things don't go well, he puts a process in place to make it where it's non-event mm-hmm. in the future, right? So he put a process in place as his institution to be able to say, hey, I'm going to make these exams and audits a non-event for my team. And then really where we've been focused is how do we take technology 
How do we put a platform? How do we automate that? How do we make that more efficient? How do I provide executive level reporting to make sure that their teams at the institution are, are running things correctly? And when you really think about this concept of governance and oversight, it's a real challenge when you talk about community banking. How do they do that? How do they have independence in that function when maybe they don't have somebody who's even dedicated to information security? How do they provide oversight? And if I'm a senior leader at the institution who typically hasn't come up through operations and IT, let alone cybersecurity, how do they manage it? Creates just unique challenges and on the flip side, opportunities for us to really come in and help. Well, and it seems like it's a problem that's only going to grow and continue to get more complex, right? As I think about it, you know, if you have one system, you have data and user permissions and logs and, and all of these elements to it, but the number of systems that employees within banks use, have access to, continues to only grow. And I think that's a, a challenge that is not going to slow down. So how do you help them manage that growing complexity as you think about it? Yeah, there's, so there's a, there's a couple of things that we do. Uh, you're, you're kind of hitting the nail on the head around user access reporting. So uh, we've been blessed um, really to, to have some really significant stats on the challenges with user access permission management in the banking applications. And so that's gonna be core, that's gonna be wire transfer, that's gonna be Active Directory, but it's much, much bigger than that. Uh, so today we have well over 150 applications are in the platform. We've done over 12 million permission reviews, just for context. That tells you that the number of permissions per system is massive. And the, the challenge with that is a lot of the times those reports, I joke, they're really were written from like, like if they're an old school mainframe printout, almost like you had a green bar printer in the back of the operations center and that somebody would take a ruler across and kind of read and say, here's the permissions for each employee. And, and really, as we saw, that, it's like, that's not okay. How is this still happening? And at the same time, the regulators came out with clear expectations that that's not okay. So when they're going through their exams and audits, they have to fix these challenges. And then furthermore, the real question is, is how do I do this? Mm -hmm. It's really a very uh, specific challenge on the complexity, but that's continuing to expand. You know, the other component that I, that, I, that I talk a lot about is this true real risk we have with cybersecurity insurance. I can't articulate enough, I think, to do this justice about how concerned I am that we have real risk with the institutions. When they fill out their questionnaire to get coverage, the things that they're saying yes to, we have to be able to validate. I use this, I use this analogy. I almost think of it, I'm driving down the road and, and God forbid I get in a car wreck. Life insurance company comes back and says, I know Zach was in the car wreck, but we pulled his blood and we looked at his lungs and it's clear he was a smoker. Hmm. But on his questionnaire for coverage, he said he wasn't a smoker. We're not going to cover that life insurance policy. Now, that has nothing to do with the reason why I was in the car wreck. Really, there's a need for governance or an attestation on every single thing that you say yes to on that cyber insurance. And if you don't have that, candidly, you're at risk. That's, that's I think, a great segue to what I also wanted to talk about, which is when you think about explaining this to a bank, there's a risk component. There's also, I, I think about as kind of the, I'll call it the impact and um, return on investment. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I think we increasingly want to talk to banks about are the, the benefits of efficiency and, and that there is true 
ROI in their business from becoming more tech-enabled, more efficient. So as you think about the value of Finisec, how beyond the the risk management aspects, how do you think about it from the business impact side? Yeah, so there's a there's there's several things here. Um, and I think the the first one I want to talk through is if we do this correctly, it's a lot of time and labor. So to manage these processes the way that really we need to to put the right components in place for the institution for exams, audits, and then that cyber insurance risk I was just talking about, you have to manage things differently, which creates challenges. Depending on the institution, you may not have the talent internally to do that. If you're at an institution that does have the talent, is their highest value activity really looking through a thousand page report? And what are they not doing because they're looking at this thousand page report that's got a bunch of archaic, a joke. It's almost like you need to have a master's in hieroglyphics to understand these mainframe reports and printouts. And is that really the highest value activity or should I have them being doing something on innovation or in today's world, thinking about deposits? Going back to the cyber insurance, I used this example of First National Bank of Blacksburg that was compromised. And really kind of the, the net result is they were sued after they got paid $2.3 million from their cyber insur insurance policy for $2,250,000 because of the definition of the policy. And if you talk to any community banker out there and you say next quarter, you have a hit on your books of $2,250,000, that is real. That is a challenge. If you're the information security officer, you have a fiduciary duty to be able to manage that for the institution. And there should be some angst associated with, do I have my ducks in a row? So I think those are the, the pieces that I look at, you know, freeing up the time to focus in on the right things. There's business risk though, with the cyber insurance. Again, when I was, when I was really trying to, to articulate that, that makes me very concerned. Long-term, those pieces are not going to decelerate in complexity. It's only gonna get worse, unfortunately. Well, and as I think about just, you know, I, I live, uh, as you know, in most of my life on the startup innovation company side, and there's so many different security and compliance tools out there. And, you know, a lot of uh, banks will say, I just, I, so much noise, I'm getting solicited by dozens of different companies a, a day or week. How do you advise them to think through that right set of solutions for, for their bank? Yeah, I think it's, um, I, I think there are targeted things that you can do, and I'm going to go kind of executive first, and this concept of executive or even board, how do I do a credible challenge and let that marinate to something that I may not be an expert in related to cybersecurity and, and information security? So some questions I would ask around are, are we exam ready? How do we know where we're tracking? Um, secondary question uh, would be around user access permissions. How do we do that? What's the process? When do we do them last? How do we know all of our systems? Um, the most common audit finding we still find in the industry is an employee that either has too many permissions or is still active when they've been terminated. And it's because we have all these manual processes in place. So I think there's two sides to that. One is having the macro approach of where are we? That's that exam readiness component of just what's the overall status. And then I think there's some micro conversations around what are the things that are inefficient? Another great question to ask your team is what are the things that we haven't implemented that you wish we would have implemented? How often does that conversation come into the institution? And what's the impact of those things? Is it increasing your cybersecurity risk? Like your risk is reduced? Is it time-saving? Is it the things that you have are so broken they're uncomfortable and they really don't feel 
that they have the right things in place. I think understanding that is a great way to have conversations mm -hmm. as well. Um, when I think about what I would encourage institutions to look at, look for on the, for the right set is financial institution expertise, understanding of the bank, understanding of the regulations. Candidly, that's what drew us to Bank Tech Ventures. That was a big piece of the story as we are commonly aligned in this concept of how do we make community community banking better? Mm -hmm. You know, that 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 dynamic of we want them to thrive and survive. And then that's right in line. Um, and I, I think there are processes and a lot of tools out there that are not as specific to the institution or their heavy consulting, right? Word, Excel, you know, manual processes, uh, really not creating an efficiency and simplification simplification for the team. Well, let's pivot a little bit and talk about you. As an entrepreneur, I feel like I meet a lot of entrepreneurs and I find you to be very intentional as you think about your journey. You've been intentional in who do you want to be a, an investor with you? Who do you want uh, to have on on the team? Uh, I so appreciate that. What, what are the resources that you rely upon to kind of help you in that regard? I've got several things and there's a whole bunch of passion in this. Um, so... This is about 11 or 12 years ago. Um, I had a buddy of mine encourage me to go take what we what, what he coined uh, take time to think day, to get away, go to a park, put my phone on airplane mode and journal. Um, now, this is somebody I've got a ton of respect for. As he went through that process, he said the first time he went, um, he, he took a bag of oranges because he's pretty similar to me, wired up, always, always running full speed. And he said by about orange six, he calmed down. And, and I think he, it, it, this process was so healthy for me because it allowed for me to be able to go in and focus in on what's really the most important. Um, after I did that, I waited about a year and a half to two years and I did it again. And I was like, wow, that was awesome. I waited another year and a half to two years. I was like, wow, that's awesome again. And today I'm going about every six weeks. And um, I feel pretty lame saying this, but one of the first things I do carry is I have a thankful list hmm. and I actually start with everything that I'm thankful for. And I, I feel lame. I have to go somewhere and sit on a bench and be intentional about that. But I'm so wired on the future. I forget about everything that we're doing today. That's awesome. And rockstar. That is so healthy for me. The other analogy I'll say, just from a business perspective, it allows for me to see the forest, not just the darn tree that's right up in front of my face. And allows me to be very strategic. I'll also say from an entrepreneurial journey, it's not easy. And um, being able to have very specific things, uh, part of my story is I've got an 18-year-old, 16-year-old, 14-year-old, and you need a drum roll as I go, and a one-year-old. <laughs> that's, that's a lot going on where you're building and scaling a company. And I'm so blessed that I had this process in place because it allowed for me to go be intentional about what's the most important thing for each of them, for my wife, for faith. I mean, there's just a dynamic of, you know, what am I not doing that I should be doing? And slowing down to be intentional has been phenomenal for me. Um, and, it, and really become very religious around, um, I'm happy to share the things that I've done because it's been so transformational um, uh, in a whole bunch of different ways. The, um, the other things that, I've, that I'm implementing kind of, and I think this gets a little into culture is Enneagram and StrengthsFinder. We can talk a lot about that. I've got mm -hmm. a whole bunch of passion carry around those components around just how those resources have helped me become very self-aware. Um, I mean, I'm a big believer that 
we all have unique God-given strengths. Um, I pick on myself a ton for those of you who have heard me, heard me and know me. It's like I've got these handful of strengths, but I've got these things that I can do really, really well, unlike anybody else. But there's a whole bunch of other stuff I can't do real well. So this concept of we need the team to focus in on the things that they are uniquely gifted to do changes the game on team, culture, organization, strategy, all those things at the same time. Thank you. That's super, super instructive. I think a lot of the founders that listen to this will will take a lot from that. The other the other thing I want to ask about, you, you talked about it a little bit, but I often find founders have rituals, you know, like this take time to think day, you know, things that they're very committed and disciplined about. Any any others of those that you uh, think of? Or yeah, the, the other the other big one is we celebrate every single time we get a customer in. So um, uh, one of the things if you've seen in my videos, we ring the bell um, and um, we're, we're going to bring that in as part of that. That's part of just the, the piece and the component of who we are. We're actually getting the sales and the biz dev team. Um, hopefully they have this by the time this gets out. So they don't, this isn't a, a, a release beforehand, but they're going to have their own bells because, mm-hmm. you know, we, you know, we want to celebrate as we're helping community banks be able to better manage these things and the processes and really just that, that culture of enthusiasm is foundational. Um, and being intentional around how we talk around that as in the organization and the importance of those components at the same time, my, my dad, um, very, very instrumental in my life. Um, he, uh, he, he did some things with me very early on. So I, I need to kind of just give the backstory of my dad. So he was a manufacturer rep for furniture. So he sold furniture to furniture stores mm-hmm. and his territory was massive. You know, and actually when, when I moved to, uh, Georgia, it was six States and starting around 11 or 12, he would start taking me on these trips with him. And they're overnight trips. We're going to go see a bunch of his customers. And there's a bunch of lessons that I learned as I went through with, with him. You know, things like how to shake a hand. You know, the, the story of the customer is the reason why you're in business. Mm-hmm. And if you, if, you, if you really think about that, as I think about my dad, he had a $0 base salary selling furniture to furniture stores. So when he's saying the customer is the reason why you're in business, he's really saying the reason why we're able to do the things Zach, that we want to go do is because the, the customer buys the furniture to sell to the, really the customer buys the furniture, his furniture from the furniture store. And um, I've been very intentional around trying to have those processes built in. The bell's a really good example of trying to reiterate those, some of those philosophies that I learned from him. Mm-hmm. You, you've been active in community banking for several years. Great partner, great advocate. You know, you mentioned this sort of thriving and surviving earlier. Um, you, I know you're you're a great friend to the industry groups too, like the ICBA and um, Georgia Bankers. And so what is it about community banks that you so appreciate and, you know, wanting to work with them? Um, several things. I think I've, I've learned, um, so I actually started my career setting up networks and IT infrastructure for community banks. Mm-hmm. So I've been doing this, you know, over 20 years. Now I joke real quick, they found out I wasn't technical in past lives and ran me out of setting up stuff. But I learned very on, early on that community bankers are just great people to work with. Mm-hmm. And there's a passion that I have for just the folks that are there, that are serving their communities. There's just a lot of uniqueness in that process. 
so as I look at um, those those scenarios, and it's it's things like the ICBA, it's the Association for Financial Technology. Um, mm -hmm. That's another big one that I've been very involved in. Actually, when I started the company, I was actually president of that group. Um, and it, in, in very similar alignments, how do we help financial institutions with technology to be better to serve their customers? Mm -hmm. And um, and, I, and I've also got some scar tissue. Um, you know, in my past life, I had 70, over 70 banks that were taken into receivership on Friday afternoons. Mm. That was hard. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of good people that had to go through some really crappy situations related to that. I'm, I, I get a lot of energy out of being able to help protect, be able to put processes in place to make sure that we're doing those things in the right way to reduce some of that risk. Obviously, not as much financial, but now it's cybersecurity, information security, right? Those, um, uh, those components. Um, and, and, I, and I'm a big believer, and I think the, the testament of me being at AFT and being the president of AFT and just kind of that involvement, um, with these types of trade groups, you get back what you put in. Mm -hmm. So when I'm, when I'm going to the Community Bankers Association of Georgia and, and we're talking about the cybersecurity summit that's in August, you know, we'll be involved. And I'll be involved personally, and I'll be helping educate in those processes because when you put in, you get in tenfold what you get back. It may not be what you expect, sure. but it always comes back turned in these groups. Um, and community banking associations and groups are hands down that way. That's just how they're wired. I, I also find that I think this is so instructive for founders and you know i and you know i've i've had a number of different businesses and therefore i've ended up with a lot of different customer types from consumers to various you know, vertical market groups and at the end of the day you know having that passion for the customer and helping them be more successful is such a great way to build a business and remain energized and so I've told founders before, maybe they don't even have an idea. And I said, start with the customer. Who's a group you would love to get out of bed every day and support and serve? And that's probably going to get you to continue to fight through it. Because as you said a few minutes ago, it's super hard to be an entrepreneur. You need that energy source. So I'm sure that's helped sustain you through some of those challenges. 100%. I think, as you, and as you're saying that, um, I'm thinking in my mind, entrepreneur, you know, the, so my, my two oldest, 16 and 18 year old, they've recently told me they want to be entrepreneurs. There's part of me as a dad where I'm like, both my, both my, both my oldest are daughters. I'm like, awesome. And then I want to go throw up in the corner too, at the same time. Cause I'm like, oh my goodness. So being able to, 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 and for them, this stress of importance on, if you're going to do that, you have to understand revenue, you know, the, the best component of just how you grow the organization is revenue. Now, the, the, the piece that gets missed when I say that is you have to help your customers buy and you don't sell. Mm -hmm. And that is such a foundational difference. And when people buy things, they buy things they need. And that being customer curious, discovery process, um, how you help your customer, all those things. And again, if you're doing it for a group like community bankers, Heck yeah, I can get up in the morning and, and have a fire in the belly. So good. So you went through the ICBA's Think Tech Accelerator. And I know you had a, a great experience there. You know, that gave you an opportunity to meet dozens of banks in a really short period of time. 
let's start with just that accelerator specifically. What was the biggest value that you got out of that program? Yeah, great, great question. So um, I'll also, I'll actually say that this was one of the most impactful things I've had in my entire career. Hmm. I've been very blessed to be around the community banking technology ecosystem. And as I went through this process, what we were able to go and do is we had 125 bank meetings. That's not bankers, bank meetings in 90 Mm. days. That's amazing. Where else do you get that? Mm -hmm. And as part of that, we, we, we got a number of net new customers, which was great. But you know what the real advantage was? So Scott and I, Scott, again, CTO, co-founder, he knows his stuff. I get passionate. You can probably hear it, right? So here we are. We have all of this Finisec bias. And we're able to go ask questions, be curious, be able to understand. And that those conversations allow for us to directly impact Roadmap. And it's awesome. This week, we had a whole bunch of inbound leads from a FSI SAC board because we're getting references around um, the concepts of how do you do user access reporting, we had a conversation in a contract that went out. I, this one's on the fence. It could be the fastest one we've ever had. Um, right now we're at seven days. Our best is 11 days. <laughs> and we may actually get it in and, and, and super quick. That is awesome. And if I hadn't had the knowledge and the components of the ICBA ThinkTech, we wouldn't be able to do that. Um, so super, super blessed. And, and, and I'll say part of why we decided to do Bank Tech Ventures is really very similar. Where else can I have conversations, credibility built in an ecosystem that is aligned on strategy? Mm-hmm. And I get excited about the ability of having conversations with the bank partners to help them help me prioritize my roadmap. So again, I don't have that bias, but it also helps in what are the challenges understanding the customer, how do we articulate that in a way that resonates with the customer? And those are the the pieces that when I look at trajectory of the business are game changers um, as we go forward. So the ICBA think tech can't say enough about how awesome that is. I'm actually, uh, they're getting ready to kick this off next week. I'm going to go talk to the, uh, the new core cohort that's coming in. And I really look at the think tech as a brand and a way of credibility for financial institutions because the ICBA put us through a bunch of due diligence. Mm. We've been able to go through processes. It's almost like you have a vetting process that enhances the ability of saying, who should I talk with? Um, Really, really, really cool stuff. So if you haven't been part of the ICBA Think Tech, I highly encourage you to go take a look, uh, get your team registered. Even if you don't select any of of the vendors as part of that, the process of thinking about innovation and how we do things different inside the institution is a very healthy thing as we go forward for community banks to be thinking about. For sure. I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, a free program for community banks to spend a day and and learn about a lot of interesting new innovations. I could not agree more. So let's, let's contrast that to some of the other accelerator programs that are out there. Um, I, you know, I think the way I typically think about accelerators is just that the value tends to be inconsistent. I think you can have scenarios where you get tremendous value. I I often chalk it up to serendipity. I meet the right 
advisor, investor, mentor along the way, but it's inconsistent. So what advice would you have for other founders who say, Zach, you know, maybe I don't work with community banks. I'm thinking about an accelerator program. What, how would you counsel them? I mean, yours was so purposeful to the business and true business acceleration to be able to talk to so many banks. How do you think about other programs and, and advice you would have? Yeah, a great question. So I think as an entrepreneur, you can be busy all day long, every single day of the week, going to any type of educational thing for entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. It's a real challenge. Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of folks get sucked into an ecosystem and just try to go get educated rather than trying to get out and get feedback. So I think there's a couple of things that I was, my antenna was up on. Um, one was, are you going to come tell me how to go do my business? Mm. And, you know, it depends on your background, your team's background and where you are. Some, some accelerators do a really good job of putting the foundations in place. And if you haven't been a founder before, you don't have an understanding of things like financial metrics and components. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. I highly recommend you, you go and do that. Once you have the kind of those things built, then it really becomes, what is this accelerator going to give you? What does success look like? So for me, if you can get me to talk to prospects and customers and do customer discovery the right way, wow, sign me up. Mm -hmm. You really learn really quick with a bunch of at-bats in, in that scenario. So I, I, I think the piece that I would, and I would personally go take a day away, take a time, take time to think day to, to think about this. I would go and I would journal and I would be thinking about what does success look like at the end of this accelerator? If we execute everything flawlessly in a scenario, what is it? And then I go ask questions around the person who's running it, but also go talk to the other founders that went through. Mm -hmm. Does it match, right? And and I and I think there's a significant business risk with entrepreneurs about spending a bunch of time trying to get educated rather than getting out and talking to customers and being customer curious. That I think is a big challenge that you have to prioritize your time because you could, again, be sitting in these things all day long and not figuring out how you're actually going to go grow the business. Great perspective and advice there, Zach. Thank you. What are you most excited about? We're sort of now into Q2, but still in you know the, the first part of the year. What are you most excited about for Finisec? this year? Well, I mean, bank tech ventures, right? I mean, gee whiz. I mean, how awesome is it to be in a situation where I've got community banks that are now vested in this um, stewardship responsibility that I have as taking funds from bank tech ventures, I can now go talk with them and make sure that we're aligned and we're, 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 we're hitting the nail on the head. That is mm -hmm. Awesome. I'm so pumped up about that. Um, additionally, we have got some awesome components around, again, that user access reporting. It is awesome to be in a scenario where um, you fill a unique need. So back in the day, this is like early 2000s, I was at a company called Gladiator Technology. We did firewall monitoring. Mm. And we went out and sold. Banks did not, did not have firewalls. And I just dated myself. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, how old is this guy? <laughs> Uh, yes, that literally was a thing. And when we went out and had that unique solution, it was like you could go and close a whole bunch of deals and opportunities really quick because everybody had a challenge with that. 
this user access solution is like that and probably even got a little bit more uh, gasoline on the fire. Mm -hmm. So I think the execution of how we go make an impact. Now, when I look at the future, what's awesome about this as well as our development roadmap, and this is where really the bank tech adventures investment comes into play. Because if you think about it from a security perspective, at the end of the day, I have every single employee, every single permission. So I now know that Zach is a teller and he only has rights to the teller system and he stays inside the bank's four walls. But I also know that Nancy has VPN access. She works from home, has the ability of doing general ledger changes in core. She can approve multi-million dollar wires. And when you really start thinking about the risk, what happens when somebody fails a phishing simulation if it's that teller versus that work from home wire transfer? Mm -hmm. Right now, those are just the same. What happens mm -hmm. if they're missing a patch or a vulnerability, right? How do we leverage that data? And I, I think those are the pieces that I get crazy excited about on making the data that we have actionable for our customers. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I mean, it's, as you start to play that out in this generative AI world of we'll go make the configuration changes for you. We'll set up the best practices. There's just so much with the data that you are accumulating those 13 million permissions that you, there, there's a lot of really useful, actionable recommendations and actions that you you can even, in many cases, take for them, which is super Correct. exciting to think about. Correct. 100%. So last question, we're coming up against time here. I knew we would have a super fun conversation. What would you say is the biggest area of your own personal growth that you're really investing in this year? Yeah. Yeah. Great, great question. So um, uh, this is, I'm going to talk about something I mentioned before. Uh, the first is Enneagram. Mm -hmm. um, I can't highlight this enough. Um, so it, just for those of you that don't know, it's a personality profile test. Um, essentially, there's nine types. For those of you that are rolling your eyes and going, yeah, 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 yada, yada. Here's why I like it. It talks about when I'm my healthiest, mm -hmm. what it looks like. And it also tells me when I go under stress, what it looks like. So for me, I'm being very intentional around what are the things that I can put in place to execute at the best version of me. Now there's hecklers in the room going saying, yeah, right, Zach, I don't know if there is a best version. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of my friends that are probably <laughs> listening to this and pick on me as I say that, right? But that is 100% something I'm focused in on. The other thing that I've done, and actually I've got to give kudos to AFT. Um, shout out to Nathan, uh, Nathan Baumeister from Z Suite. Um, I've had a lot of conversations with folks in my same role as a CEO founder and from those conversations, I've hired an executive coach. And as I say that, um, it's like Mission Impossible music going off in the background um, for him as he's kind of walking alongside me. But mm -hmm. being very intentional around how do I do things better? I am so driven that way. Um, also having a level of vulnerability of understanding the things that I'm not good at and then figuring out how do I go get team members around me so I can have them do those things and me do less of that um, is also part of that process. So. I think when I think about personal growth, it's really understanding, again, what are the things that I'm uniquely gifted to do, figuring out how do I do more of those things, getting the team around me, and then having a process and a scenario of folks that are intentional about how do you get better. Zach, thank you. Um, I mean, I'm sure it's obvious to everyone who listens to this why we invested in you and, and Finisec and especially you know you at the helm. I, I'm super excited. I know our whole team is super excited about our partnership. 
you know, you, you, you're a lead by example guy. And I so appreciate, you know, you're authentic, you're vulnerable, exactly what today's people want to follow. And, and I have every confidence you, you will build and continue to build this incredible team. And I, I am so excited for the, the journey we are beginning to walk on together as well. So thank you for joining me today. What a fun conversation and, and great way to, to end the week. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Operate Podcast. If you like this conversation, as a favor to me, you can rate us, review us, or subscribe, or tell your friends. You can also reach out to us on Twitter at Operate Podcast. Until next week, get out there and operate.